Welcome back, everybody. After a uh, long hiatus, the uh, the travel grind has gotten to me. The work grind has gotten to me. And uh, so it's been a little while since we've been with you guys. I think we were last with you before week, I think it was before week three or four of the college football season. We were a couple weeks in the NFL. It was the last time we were with you, late, late September. And here we are rolling up on the end of October. And a lot has happened in sports, as you can imagine, in a month. Uh, a lot of football has been played. A lot of great football has been played. And so we're going to do our best to maybe not recap over the last four weeks, but we could talk about storylines of the season. But before I, I, I dive too far into it, I will uh, bring in Brett. And how are you doing today, man? Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, glad to be back. It's been a, it's been a long month. A long month off and a lot of sports have definitely like a lot of things happened, like you alluded to. So yeah, let's hop right into it. Yeah. Um, we enjoyed ourselves out there in uh in big red country. We uh we enjoyed the trip to to Omaha and to Lincoln to see uh one of the wins this year so far for Nebraska. Maybe I'm a uh, good luck charm, who knows? One and oh out there. That is true. You yeah, we were undefeated when Kylie's in town. So we'll have to uh, we'll monitor that over the, the rest of the years. It's years to come. How many of those uh, undefeated trips I can continue to keep that, keep that going. But, um, no, I mean, we've got we, we've got a lot to talk about. And so I think um, I think we can go ahead and, and dive on into at least the uh, the college football stuff here. Um, we alluded to the fact that, hey, it's been a month since we talked about this. A lot has happened. Three or four, three, four, sometimes even five games have been played for a team since we last talked and uh i guess what i want to start with is what are your what are your biggest surprises and storylines of the season so far we're, we're about two-thirds of the way through next week comes out the first college football playoff rankings we're dropping ours a week earlier than the committee we're going to drop you ours tonight but well, i want to know like who who are your surprise teams your storylines those kind of things um as we sit here uh at the end of october well, I guess two teams I'm surprised are undefeated. Um, our TCU, I, I, I didn't have them anywhere near the top of the Big 12, and that's exactly where they are. And then and in Clemson, I was obviously not very high on them. I'm still not. I don't think DJ is very good, and I don't think their team in general is very good. Without Will Shipley, they would be nowhere. Um, but – other than that, um, I, I am also surprised with Iowa, um, kind of the other way around, um, just with how poor they've been this year. Um, in the past, they've figured out a way to get a running game going. and I mean, they've never really had a pass game, to be honest. But they, they can't even run the ball this year. It's Their offense is terrible, and it's not going to get any better until Ferentz are out of Iowa. Yeah, it's – I don't even know where – We'll start on the Iowa side because that's in a in a sick and twisted way that has been one of the topics of the college football season this year is just how bad Iowa's offense has been. And I mean, and we're talking about this is a historically bad offense. And the really sad thing is they've got a damn good defense that if they could just have a middle of the road offense, they'd sweep through the Big Ten West. And if they had an above average offense, they would be a playoff caliber team. That's how good their defense and special teams are. And their offense is just flat out that bad that they can't do anything about it. I mean, I think they've scored four or five times on defense this year for defensive touchdowns. And they have like four, five or six offensive touchdowns on the year, maybe seven. Four, I four, Seven through seven games. Yeah. So ridiculous. You have, you have a defense that has a propensity to score. And it's the only reason why their, their average points is, probably hovering near 10. Otherwise it would be at seven or lower. It's just, this is a really, it's a really, really sad product. And I feel bad for, I, I know you don't feel bad for Iowa fans, but I feel bad for Iowa fans because there's nothing they can do. You alluded to the fact that, that Brian Ferentz son or Kirk Ferentz son, Brian Ferentz is the offense coordinator. It, obviously it's hard to fire your own son. And that clueless. It's just it's just a horrible situation there, and they are in a world world of hurt. 
Yeah, it's just, they they kind of they kind of deserve it honestly for all the stuff they've given all the crap they've given Nebraska all these years. Man, as they, I was gonna say as a rival, I'm sure it doesn't doesn't keep you up at night seeing them struggle. Yeah, I mean we're right on the border of Iowa here in Omaha, so there's quite a bit of Iowa fans here for some reason, and they're insufferable. I I can I can well imagine. Yeah. Um, the, the next, do you also mentioned, uh, TCU as a surprise team for you? And I think that's a surprise team for a lot of people and just how great Sonny Dice has been here early on. Um, uh, he moved basically across town going from SMU to TCU there across, uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area. And what he has done to that school has been nothing short of incredible from a team that didn't make a bowl game last year. And they are six, seven and zero, I believe. They are number six in the six, I think, in the country. Seven in the country, probably seven because I think Alabama six. Um, squarely in the mix for a playoff uh, spot as as we get into November, and they're the only undefeated team left in the Big Ten or Big Twelve, and it's pretty pretty impressive. I know we talked about at the beginning of the year we thought the Big Twelve would cannibalize itself, and for the most part it has, but TCU hasn't fallen suit to that yet. Yeah, and I'm kind of rooting for TCU at this point um, just because, I mean, there's going to be – I don't – there's there's going to be a one-loss SEC team, and I would like to see it not have two SEC teams in the playoff again. And for, for your sake and for my sake, because I, I like Tennessee a lot, I hope it's Tennessee that's the undefeated team in the playoff. And if that is so, if they're undefeated, they're the one seed. By far. Oh, yeah. Whoever, if, if any, any, if either Tennessee or Georgia makes out through here undefeated, I think that, especially if it's Tennessee with their resume, but I think even with Georgia, um, getting the win over Tennessee and then a win over Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, whoever it is. And the, and the reigning national champion. Yeah. I think they get the bump. Ohio State would be the only other team I would put in the conversation and they would have a signature win over Michigan. And that'd be it, really. They got Penn State this weekend, which we'll talk about. But I mean, that's Jackson, the big not a, it's not a very deep schedule. Well. For, so, so yeah. it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, the, the TCU storyline is, is at, when we talk about the, the playoff rankings, um, I'll, I'll dive into that a little bit more. We're thinking about this as a Tennessee fan, but um, and then Clemson, like you mentioned, we were both kind of low on them. We, I don't think I was anywhere near as low on them as you are or as you were. Um, I still don't think that they are a top four team, but they have definitely proven to be a top 10 team in the nation this year as they've continued to win and they have the nation's act, uh, current active or active longest winning streak um, goes back to the middle of last year. I think it's at 10 or 11 games now. Um, I getting the, the ball rolling. DJ Blay has played better um, this year than he did last year. He got benched for a little bit in, in the second half there against Syracuse. Uh, Davos said that he's still going to be the starter going forward. Um, he's definitely proven to be the guy to have the starting job. He just had a bad day on Saturday. So I Clemson Clemson's going to continue to roll through the ACC and uh, yeah, it's it sucks that they'll have the easy schedule and they'll probably find their way into the playoff because of it. But uh, it is what it is. I mean, they they this is what uh, this is the cards that they're dealt and they're doing what they have to do. I don't know. Does a does a one loss Clemson, or I guess just in general, one loss ACC team make it in before a one loss Big Ten team? No, I think I think a one loss ACC team gets dropped over every one loss conference. Really? You think AC is the weakest conference? I think it's the weakest conference this year. Yeah. I think that I think that if you look at your options of who you would be talking about. Even if it's, even if it's Clemson. Yeah, even if it's Clemson, because I think that if Clemson I mean for Clemson to have a loss, they're gonna have to have a bad loss. It's nobody on their schedule left. They play, they play Wake Forest still. No, they already played Wake. They already played and beat Wake at Wake. Oh, I'm looking disregard. 
I'm looking at a. Uh, I'm looking pretty at pretty sure their hardest game. Their hardest game left should be South Carolina, I believe, at the end of the year, which will get that at home. Yeah, here's their here's their remaining schedule for the rest of the year. They have they go at Notre Dame, who's been terrible this year. Host Louisville, who's been terrible. Miami is terrible. And then they host South Carolina. So this is a week, week finishing the last four games. So if they lose, none of those are going to be a good good loss. None of them. I would not put it past South Carolina to upset Clemson, though. If it was at Williams Bryce in Columbia, I'd give it half a chance, but I, I don't see that happening on the road. I don't see – and with everything on the line there, I, I cannot imagine Dabo losing that game at home with a spot in the ACC play, uh, championship game and basically on the playoff on the line. But I would think that a one-loss Pac-12 team gets in over every other one-loss scenario here or one-loss or anybody else in the ACC because I think if you're looking at the Pac-12, you'd be talking about a one-loss um, Oregon. You'd be talking about a one-loss UCLA, a one-loss USC all of those teams would have a better resume than Clemson would, in my opinion. Yeah. And then the Clemson, they're not going to run into anyone in the conference championship game. The Coastal Division is, might be the weakest division in college football this year, even weaker than the Big Ten, frankly, um, Big Ten West. North Carolina's leading that division right now. They're looking – I think if they get one more win, they, they win the division. But their defense is abysmal. They're the anti-Iowa. Yeah, they are. Their their defense is as bad as Iowa's offense. It's it's not pretty over there. So yeah, they won't be tested in the ACC championship game. Um, we'll kind of have to see how it plays out. So for the storylines that I had that I wanted to to run through here is uh, I think my one of my biggest surprises for a bad team, and I think it's one of the biggest storylines of the year is A and M. Your your top six team coming into the beginning of the year, and I don't think either of us were. Well, you were high on AM. You, I can't remember. You had them in the, your playoff, didn't you? Uh, I believe Jared did. I, Jared did I had NC, I had NC State, and so they they came in number six. A lot of people were high on them, and their offense is abysmal. And they're stuck with Jimbo Fisher right now, who's got an eighty five million dollar buyout. You're not getting rid of them. And he's got an offense that looks like he's trying to run from the 19 or, or from the, you know, late 1900, early 2000s football. And he's about 20 years behind and doesn't want to air it out. Doesn't want to do any, their defense is great. And they're having a lot of internal issues, players getting suspended, um, breaking team rules, um, doing dumb things in the locker room. It, it's just, it's not a good situation down there in college station and their big thing now is they've got to hold on to this recruiting class because their entire hype was based around the fact of how well they were, they were the number one recruiting class last year. They were building this great recruiting class this year. And if they can't continue to hold on to this class, this could get really ugly, really fast for them. And I don't know what you do with Jimbo when you've got that much to pay him out. The largest payout that anyone's ever done was Gus Malzahn at Auburn, which was like $21 million. We're talking four times that that much. That's a lot of freaking money. If anyone has the money to do it, though, it's AM. Um, with the with the oil billionaires down there, but yeah, and they're one of Adidas's flagship sponsors. I mean, that the, the school has the money. Um, I just I don't think it'll happen, but well, I guess we'll see. Time will tell. Yep. Um. Biggest storyline for a shock or for on the good side, I think Homer side, but uh, obviously I think the the Vols would be would be the one of the top storylines of the year so far. That uh, the boys are they're seven and zero, they're absolutely rolling. We I said I think it was about the last time we were on this pod because I think we were talking about the Florida game, and I said if Tennessee handles Florida. They go into a bye week, and then an opportunity to go down and play LSU. And if you knock off LSU, there are a lot of possibilities that happen with Alabama coming to town. Then they actually did the unthinkable, and they knocked off Alabama. And here we are. Um, Tennessee's number three in the country. Uh, the best win of the year with that Alabama game, probably going to be the game of the year. I can't imagine anything uh, 
beats that, uh, at least through the regular season. So uh, Homer side, but obviously the balls have been a massive, massive shocking storyline for people. Yeah, I would agree nationally. It's a storyline that I think a lot of people are a little surprised, especially with the win over Bama, but I'm honestly not that shocked. Um, you guys' offense is built to be great, so I'm really happy for you. I wish I wish it was me and my Huskers in that situation, but Tennessee is the next best thing. 2024, baby. We'll be talking about the Huskers uh, coming up the – Coming up the grind with their new head coach in 2024. We'll just repeat this pot in two years and it'll just. Or next year, since Mickey's already our coach and he's already here. Well, you still have to give him a first full year. So we'll give him a full year. Oh, and yeah, I agree. And then it'd be a second year. So this is this is all house money for him. But yeah. Yeah. So I those are a couple of the big storylines, obviously. Um, so let's let's dump, let's jump into I mentioned earlier. Next week, we'll get the first college football rankings. Um, but we're going to go ahead and beat those people to it, and we're going to put together our own committee, and that committee is a committee of two, and that is me and you. So if the college football playoff was ending – was with the season ended today, no more games, and you've got to go in and you've got to go rank your four teams, and you've got to put four teams in the playoff, who are your four teams right now? Okay, so starting off with one, I will go the Ohio State Buckeyes. The two seed would be the Georgia Bulldogs. The three seed would be the. Do we have to seed this like the like the real committee? Because the real committee won't ever put the SEC versus SEC back for rematches. Well, I'm not going to either. Okay. So, the three seed is – man, this is tough. <laughs> I know. There's a lot of good teams. There's still a bunch of undefeated teams. You know what? The three seed, the TCU Horned Frogs. Okay. And then four being Tennessee? Yes. Which would have to work out weird. That's, that would be Tennessee losing to – or losing to Georgia – and then Alabama, beat, about, Alabama losing uh, to Georgia. What? That would mean Georgia beats Alabama and Tennessee. Oh no, I'm talking about we're not we're not talking about any more games happen the rest of the year. I'm saying truly the season ends today. Oh, okay. Well, that changes everything. I'm saying Ohio State, Georgia. Okay, well, Ohio State, Georgia, Tennessee. They play they play each other in the semifinal, and then Michigan. Okay. So two Big Ten, two SEC, and oh, yeah. I, think, I think those are the four best teams right now. And we're gonna get those four games, and we're gonna get those two games in the regular season. Up to your coming soon. I, I, I'm curious to hear yours, Kylie. Let's let's hear them. Um, if I was ranking this quote by the committee standards, I think that you have this will come off Homer, but I think that Tennessee has the argument to be the number one team in the country and that they have four ranked teams. They have the best win out of all the teams that you're going to be talking about um, before any other games are played this season. And so I would put Tennessee as the number one seat right now. I would put, I would put Ohio state number two. I would put Georgia number three. And uh, I would probably have to See, it's TCU and it's it's TCU, Michigan and Clemson fighting out for that last spot. I'm trying to think who would win if those three teams, those three teams played around Robin. Michigan probably comes out on top, so we'll go Michigan. Right. But I do think that TCU, I, I think that TCU would pose a real threat to Michigan at the same time. Well, good thing Michigan has two quarterbacks. True. Yes, because uh, TCU has been uh, the QB killers this year. They've knocked out four starting quarterbacks in eight games. Four. Sonny Dykes has bounty gate going on. It's Pointing Express 2.0. <laughs> it's it's pretty wild. Um, I heard that stat earlier, and I was pretty surprised about it. But uh, nonetheless, yeah. I mean, I think if the if the if the committee was making their rankings today, I think that's how they would rank them. Um, Obviously, a lot to be played out, and we'll have to uh, 
we'll have to keep moving these around week over week as games happen. So before people come and yell at us that you're not going to have two Big Ten and two SEC teams in the playoff, we understand that. We're just ranking that as if the season ended today and nobody got to play any more games. So before you come at us with the hate on uh, the old Twitter verse, but I don't know. It's going to be fun. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see the, where the committee ranks them come next week. Obviously, you've got games to go through this weekend, um, opportunities for teams to slip up. As we're going to talk about, uh, there's really only three key games for this weekend um, as I look at this. And so we'll we'll make our picks on them. We'll probably be wrong. I assuredly will be wrong if I'm making any sort of bets on these games. My bets have been flat out terrible this year. I am on hashtag fate alert. But nonetheless, um, let's jump into them. So the first, the first big game at noon, we'll go chronological order through the day here. Because at least the nice thing is you have a noon game, you have 330 game, you have a night game. So you have one really good one in each window to watch and then whatever else falls in there for in terms of affecting the national scope here. But Ohio State, 15 and a half point favorite on the road at Penn State. Penn State coming off a thumping of Minnesota in their whiteout game. Um, kind of a shell of a Minnesota team playing without their starting. Ohio State coming off a thumping of Iowa to no surprise. Really, they have not been challenged at all the entire year outside of that Notre Dame game to begin with. So um, where do you see this game? Like I said, Buckeyes, 15.5-point favorite on the road in Happy Valley. Um, what time's kick? Sorry. Noon. Noon kick? Give me give me Ohio State, minus 15.5. Um, they're going to get up for this game. It's a rivalry game. And Penn State is, is – it's, don't get me wrong, great night atmosphere. But it it's not it doesn't wow me during the day games, unless it's one of their whiteout night games. There, they I don't think they pose much, or they they still have home field advantage, but not enough to cover Ohio State's offense. Um, and Will Levis, or Will Levis, Sean Clifford, uh, Will Levis used to play there. Uh, Sean Clifford doesn't wow me enough as a quarterback. But, you can play towards Ohio State's defense standards. Yeah, um, we'll actually talk about Will Levis in a little bit, but uh, I think I'm I think I'm with you. I really want to take Penn State in the points at home. Um, I hate laying this many points on the road with a team, but I just don't see how Penn State is one going to stop this Ohio State team, Ohio State team, and two. I just don't see how they're going to put up enough points, enough points to cover. I mean, it's I can see this easily being like a like a forty two twenty four type of game where Ohio State just puts up so many, and yeah, Penn State plays all right, but not enough people within sixteen. So I'm with you. I think I'm on the Buckeyes here, um, but watch out for the old uh, backdoor cover. Is you start getting to numbers this big. I could very well see a, a light score being one that uh, screws the both of us here. But other than that, I think uh, we'd be fair to see. So um, at the 330, 330 game, um, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State. The biggest storylines in the Big 12. Um, Kansas State has been a shock, I think, to most people, um, there were also some analysts that were very high on coming into the year. Oklahoma State has done what Oklahoma State has done for a long time, and they might be one of the most underrated programs in college football, frankly, with how they consistently never get talked about. And all Mike Gundy does is show up and win eight to ten games a year. But he has his Cowboys rolling. Kansas State Wildcats, they're rolling. Uh, one, Kansas State is a one-and-a-half-point uh, favorite in Manhattan, 3.30 kick. Who do you got? Do you got the uh, Wildcats or, or the Cowboys? I have the Cowboys and the Cowboys big. Um, and that's because Kansas State will probably be without their starting quarterback, Adrian Martinez. Um, he keeps them on a lot of games with his legs. Um, he, he's been a fine passer this year, um, but his legs are really make him special. And without him, I think they're pretty one-dimensional. Um 
I have to rely on Deuce Vaughn a lot. Um, so I see Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State taking this one by two scores. I've got I, – I hear you on the concern for Adrian Martinez, and maybe this pick is hoping that he plays, and maybe it's the fact that I just saw what they did at the beginning of the game to TCU, and then they just flat out fell apart. But I'm going to take – I'm going to take Kansas State at home. Um, I think that the atmosphere will will help. I think that being back home will help. I hope Adrian plays, but nonetheless, even if he doesn't, Adrian got hurt early in that game against TCU last week, and their backup came in for a quarter and absolutely slung the ball and got him up to a 28-10 to 10 lead, and then all hell broke loose in the second half. And so give him a week to prepare. I think he's got the talent to be able to hold on to this. Um, but I, I will go with Kansas State at home. I will lay the the small number. I think that they get a huge win, and we continue to talk about the big of cannibalizing itself, and this would be a uh, perfect example of that. Um, last but not least, the night game. Uh, Kentucky going on the road to Tennessee, a rivalry game. Much more rivalry game, I would say, for – it's funny with this rivalry. Kentucky fans hate Tennessee in football the way that Tennessee fans hate Kentucky in basketball. And then you look on the reverse sides, and it's like Tennessee football looks at Kentucky like a little brother, and Kentucky basketball looks at Tennessee basketball like a little brother, where the worst team in the rivalry wants to make it a bigger deal than I think it, it is. But at the end of the day, the schools hate each other. The fans hate each other. The fans hate each other, I think, more than the schools hate each other. But um, 12 and a half point favorites. Tennessee breaking out their dark mode uniforms, all black, breaking out an all black helmet for the first time in school history. Um, who do you got? Tennessee, 12 and a half point favorite. I got, the t- I got Tennessee and the points. Um, I think the Vols offense is going to be too much for Stoops and the Wildcats. I uh, don't trust Will Levis at all. Um, Chris Rodriguez is a fine running back, but I, I don't see Kentucky making this one much of a game, to be frank. I want to be worried about this game, but I'm not. I think that everything that Kentucky does good on offense is what Tennessee is good at on defense, which is they want to run the ball to control Tennessee, to control the ball away from Tennessee. They've got a good running back. Problem is, that's what Tennessee's good at. They're a top 10 team in the nation against the run. Um, so unless Will Levis goes out and wins the game with his arm, which I don't know if he's capable of doing, I think Tennessee can put enough points. Um get this. It, it's a bit of a clash. Tennessee's put up 30 points, 30 or more points in 10 straight games. Kentucky has given up 24 or less in 11 straight games. Last time they gave up 24 points was to Tennessee last year when Tennessee put up, I believe it was 45 to 42 was the final last year in Lexington. It was a shootout. Um, and so if it gets to anything like that, Kentucky doesn't have a chance. Kentucky's got to hold this game into the low, the high 20s, low 30s if they want to win and try and ugly this thing up. But I'm with you. I, I think Tennessee with the points, I think 42 to 42 to 21, 42 to 20. Seven sounds really right to me on this game. Um, it might be close at halftime, and then the dam breaks in the second half. I think it's going to be a game where Hendon Hooker really solidifies himself as the number one Heisman. Yeah, it, it's interesting that you've got a lot of national analysts that it seems to be everyone split in two camps. You've got the camp for Hendon Hooker of what he's done this year, and then you've got the camp of C.J. Stroud which is more of a, I would say that's career of like, you know how talented he is and he's put up good numbers, but it's against bad, bad teams. And so he, it, those people deem it impressive because he's at least performing, but it, I think it's more of a career thing for him. So I don't know. He'll have his, uh, Bryce, Bryce Stroud or CJ Stroud will have his opportunities um, like this weekend against Penn State. It's a good opportunity for him to go up and put, put up points and put up yards in a big game. We'll see how he does. Um, Hendon Hooker's already proven himself a few times. Florida, LSU, Alabama, all 
great performances. If he does it again, I think he he would be solidified to the. Yeah, I think if they give it to CJ Stroud at this point, it's almost a it's almost a makeup for not for him not winning it last year. I mean, he had a phenomenal season last year, but so did Bryce Young. So, if you want to see Tennessee fans really go ape shit, you you'd watch them give it to Bryce Stroud in the year over Henry Hooker. Um, Tennessee has never won, never had a Heisman winner in their uh, history. They've had four runner ups. Two of them very well should have won. Probably three of them should have won, to be fair. But uh, if you see another runner-up this year, and none of those have been around when ball Twitter was around. Do you know who the who the winners were before, or the finished before the runner-ups? Oh, so I know. Well, I know it was Charles Woodson won over Peyton Manning, which don't get me wrong, Charles Woodson was fantastic, but. I think that was more of an indictment that Peyton never beat Florida, in my opinion. Um, and then there was uh, Johnny Majors when he played at Tennessee in the 50s. He was a quarterback. They gave it to somebody for Notre Dame, and Notre Dame was like three and six that year in football, and they gave it to gave it to somebody on that team. That was way back when you really didn't have a lot of national. You had very, you know, Way back in the fifties, so not a lot of not, not a lot of national spotlight on the game. So that was that one, and then I, I can't remember the others, but I, I do know those two for sure. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it, it's it's an odd anomaly. The one that everyone is always surprised, or not everyone, but a lot of people are always surprised to hear that uh, Peyton never won one in his his years on his four years there, but never did. Finished runner up his senior year. All right, um, so we kind of worked our way through the uh, the college ranks there. Um, we'll, we'll quickly jump over to the NFL um, and kind of do the same sort of thing. I just want to hit this at a really high level here, Brett, as we see here halfway through the season. Um, who are your who are your what are your storylines? Who are your surprise teams, both good or bad, um, as we sit here halfway through the year? Um, I think. The storylines I'd like to highlight um, are just kind of the leaders, um, or my at least my Super Bowl picks, um, and that's the Bills and the Eagles. And they're both built um, to make a playoff run. Both built with great offense and great defense. Um, and I don't really see any two team or any teams really competing with them. Um, at this point in the season, at least, barring injury, I think they're the two clear Super Bowl favorites. Um, as far as surprise teams, um, I'd like to highlight both of the New York teams, the Giants and the Jets. Um, they both found ways to win games against solid teams. Uh, the Jets' defense is looking awesome, and the Giants' offense is looking awesome so far. Um, Saquon Barkley's really had a really nice bounce back from injury, and for the Giants and Daniel Danny Dimes is playing his best football since his time at Duke. Um, and then the on the Jets side, I mean their defense is legit. Um, Quinn Williams is a stud. Sauce Gardner is a stud. Um, Sauce Gardner is a future future Hall of Famer, future superstar in my opinion. Yeah, that guy's absolute lockdown. I mean, to do that as a rookie is crazy. <laughs> no fly zone, as the kids say these days. Right. No fly zone. Yeah. What about you? What What are your What are your sub storylines and, and underdogs? I'm, right, I'm right there with you on the New York teams. I'm beyond shocked at both of them um, that they keep winning games. I, I'm. I do a yearly pick. I do a weekly pick on with some buddies, and I don't know the amount of times I've picked against the Giants and the Jets now to finally lose a game. 
and they just keep proving me wrong. So at this point, you know what? Hats off to you guys, Zach Wilson, um, Danny Dimes, and even Joe Fox there for a hot minute. Um, good, good on y'all, and uh, good for the uh, good for the city of New York. I know it's been a while since so you guys have had some good football. Um, surprise for the good as well would be Seattle. Um, how great Gino's been. I, I've been really, really impressed with how good he looks. Not a lot of people gave him a lot of, uh, a lot of looks this year. Thought that they were just kind of selling as soon as they got rid of Russ and they were going to have an awful year. And Gino's come in and has finally proven about 12 years later after his college days that he's a good NFL quarterback. So um happy for Gino. And yeah, that, that's been a surprise. And then you want to flip it onto the bad. We'll start with, uh, with Gino's, uh, predecessor, and that would be Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Um, I, I'm not net, I'm not saying I expected them to win the division, and I know you can speak to this more as being a fan, but I, I didn't expect Denver to win the, the AFC West by any stretch, but I also did not expect for them and their offense to look this inept with Russell Wilson. Yeah, and I don't think it's a knock on Russell. Um, he's been banged up all year. I know a lot of people point fingers towards him. Um, I personally, as a fan, uh, point more of it towards Hackett and the play calling um, and game management. Uh, he's he's never been a play caller in his career, even though he was an offensive coordinator. Uh, Matt LaFleur actually called plays in Green Bay. So I think he's he's very inexperienced. And I'm, I'm already out on the guy. I mean, it's I know it's only been seven games or however many it's been, but I'm tired of the guy. Um, I think he's he's fake. And I'm just, I, I think we need stronger leadership on our team. I mean, I, I heard a, I heard a story about, and Garrett Bowles kind of broke this, but um, that's our left tackle. He's hurt now. But um, for those of you who know what Kahoot is, um, the Kahoot quiz he'd play in school, he would, he would make Kahoot quizzes for his offense. And um, he'd always, you get, you get four answers with Kahoot and it's all multiple choice. And he'd throw in like funny answers for some of them. And I think that's so cringy for a NFL head coach to do that. <laughs> Other grown men. That's just so weird to me. Yeah. That's, that's a bit off putting. Um, and then I think the other, the other bad storylines that I want to talk about that are also surprising would be the uh, two, I guess you could say legends, um, Brady and Rogers. Both look awful. Teams look awful. Um, I think Brady, I think Rogers is a little bit more of the rest of his team and just has nobody to put the ball to. Brady has gone through a whole host of off the field issues with the divorce and his family and a lot of things. But uh, yeah, I, I would say Brady, Rogers, how bad those teams have looked has also been eye-opening, to say the least. Yeah, agreed. Um... I mean, man, Aaron Rodgers needs some help on offense. He he's thrown to Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. <laughs> you can't expect that to do too much for you. Maybe Randall Cobb ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, Randall Cobb ten years ago would be a fine, fine number two option. But right now, holy cow! Yeah, it's tough. I'm not sure. I'm not sure Allen Robinson would be a number two for many other teams in the league. It's it's a tough spot. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of where we see on the NFL. Um, there's been a lot going on. Um, there'll be plenty more to talk about. It, the NFL really picks up a lot of storylines. Plenty to talk about once we get through the uh, the Thanksgiving day, the Thanksgiving games, and then you kind of get them having December all to themselves as we get into that uh, playoff push. So, plenty more to go into that. Um, last but not least, here. A, uh, a brand new segment that we're going to introduce to the pod this week, and this is going to be uh, uh, draft day. So we're gonna we're gonna be coming up with different different topics, different genres, whatever you want to do uh, or call it, of things, and we're gonna do a draft, just a little one on one, back and forth, create um, a team of five, and we'll just see who uh, who the fans think we uh, who drafted better. So. Well, uh, I am as host. I will take a uh, home team position. I'll give you 
the uh, the number one overall pick here, Brett. And so what we're going to be drafting tonight is beer. And specifically, we are talking about football. So beer for your tailgate. If you were going to draft, if you want to bring beer and create the best tailgate and have the best beer for your tailgate, what is the first beer that you would take off the board? With the first selection in the inaugural draft, draft day, draft, I will take Budweiser. Budweiser off the board. Budweiser is the Michael Jordan. He, he is he's the most consistent player in the league. There, there's you really can't go wrong with with Budweiser. Um, just about everyone likes it. I mean, it might not be your favorite, but but you can drink it. I will give you that. That's uh, that's a very solid pick. That's one that a lot of people at your tailgate are gonna like. Um, so it's a it's an old classic. I will I will give that to you. Um, I personally am going to take what I think is probably it's my personal favorite light beer. I don't think it's everybody's personal favorite light beer, but I do think it is a beer that a lot of people drink. And there aren't a lot of people, unlike unless I'm talking to you, Brett, they really don't like this beer. Um, and so I'm going to take. Coors Light with my number one pick here. And uh, I, I just think it's a good light beer that a lot of people will drink. I don't think there's a lot of people that would sniff their nose at it if you had a cooler full of Coors Light. People would pick it down. People would drink it. Um, so, yeah, give me give me that Colorado Kool-Aid. I will take them number one overall from Mickey. You know, I, I don't hate that pick. Um, Coors Light is, is a very, very well-known, very well-liked beer. Um, even though it might not be my favorite, if it's cool and it's free, I'll drink Coors Light. Exactly. When those mountains are blue and they're free, a lot of people are going to pick up that can and open. Yeah. Um, at my two slot, I'm going to take my personal favorite and a Midwesterner beer. You might not see this on the East Coast, and, and this is a, this is a gritty beer. It's gonna it's gonna get rebounds for you. It's gonna it's gonna make it's gonna play it's gonna play gritty, and, and that's that's Bush Light. Um, Bush latte. Bush latte is gonna is gonna play gritty. It's gonna give you garb. It's it's not gonna give. It's gonna get. It's gonna do the dirty work. Things other beers don't want to do. <laughs> I like it. It's gonna set the extra screen. It's it's gonna jump on that on that loose ball. You're definitely gonna pick up a lot of people getting this one. So um, there, there's gonna be a lot of, a lot of Midwesterners coming to your tailgates that are gonna like this. Um, so I, I don't I don't uh, hate this pick for you here. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with, I would say Coors Light's, uh, cousin beer, because I think it's just about everybody who doesn't like this beer would go with this other beer instead. And that is, uh, old Miller Light. Um, I think that I'm, I'm taking over a large portion of people that like light beer here and taking Coors and Miller, and you're going to make a lot of people happy. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'm a trend here. You're you're on the you're on the Miller Coors, and I'm on the Anheuser Busch. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe we have some brand loyalties here or something. I don't oh. know. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go Miller number two because I think uh, I think they're gonna be able to spread the floor. Uh, take some take some deep shots for me. Uh, knock down a few threes, as as you might say. So yeah, and and that that kind of leads me to my third pick. I'm taking Michelob Ultra. Um, Ultras, it's a it's a very unique beer. Um, ultras are gonna get are gonna get your your old your old good old boys your 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 guys who who think they they want to be on a diet maybe uh, uh your your moms it's a, it's definitely moms like moms like Michelob Ultras and you gotta have something for the ladies too. Now you do, you absolutely do have to have something for the ladies. Um, so I think that's a I think that's a really good call there. And you know what, Brett, on your I, I'm I am sad because my last pick. I'll tell you, I was between Mick Ultra and Miller Lite. That's where my that's where my head was at. I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go, and I went with Miller Lite over Mick Ultra. So you you took my pick. I would have come back to them in the third round if I could. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you take a risk and you leave somebody when you can come back to them. And in this case, I sadly won't be able to. So, but you know what? I will go with my third overall pick. 
Uh, I'm going to go down to something for the ladies, and I can't afford to let this one go because I think this is the best seltzer that is out there, and that is the High Noon Seltzer. Um, it's my favorite seltzer. I think that it's a lot. Of, it's the best seltzer around. It's the only one that's actually made with vodka instead of malt liquor, and so I'm going to take High Noon if with my third pick to uh, give me a nice, well-rounded. I think you got to have seltzers for the girls at the at the tailgate. And uh, I think High Noon is a great choice. I, I don't disagree. I think that's a great pick. Um, I, don't, I don't disagree at all. That's that's that small forward that can uh, bring the ball up the floor, and you can also make them play big down low if you want to play small. High Noon's a slasher. High Noon's definitely a slasher. Um, with my fourth pick, I am going to take um, – I'm going to take Pacifico. Whoa, um, Pacifico! A very, a very unique beer um, that maybe a lot of you haven't had, um, but I really encourage you to try it. I, I think it's the best um, cerveza um, out of the market. Um, it's different than other than other Mexican beers, and and that's why I think we like him. We like him at the four slot. I'm gonna go. We've we've kind of been going back and forth on each other here, trying to uh, trying to match each other with picks. I think this is where we're actually going to uh, differentiate ourselves a little bit. Um, I like the I like the route you're taking there with Pacifico. I'm gonna go to Yingling. I'm gonna go off the board here and take Yingling because I think I actually really like Yingling personally, and I think that this will cover anybody that wants something heavier than a light beer. Um, it's going to be a good option for them. It gives them a little bit deeper of a lager, um, a little bit more flavor, a little bit more boldness to it. Catches a lot of those, uh, some of those Northeasterners that tend to really like Yingling. And uh, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to take down Yingling off the board. Yeah, I love that pick. I absolutely love that pick. And with my fifth pick, I'm going to take a shooting five. I'm going to take truly seltzer. Uh, versatile and it's lemonade flavored it's 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 hard it's it's they have they have a new flavor of truly um truly hard seltzer which is made with vodka um and i think they're versatile i think they can they can space the floor at the five slot really is a uh truly good pick one might say um no truly's truly's are some some very good seltzers i uh i enjoy drinking those if uh if they're free and uh, it's a nice hot summer day. That's not a it's not a bad thing to have around the uh, the pool or maybe the beach. Um, good good seltzer to have, in my opinion. Um, let's see. Last but or so my last pick here. This is where I think it starts getting tough um, because I know what personally I would take for myself, and I don't know if that many other people would drink it. Is the problem. And so, don't yeah. tell me you're taking Rolling Rock. No, not Rolling Rock. Um, not, there's nothing wrong with Rolling Rock, but uh, uh, I want to take Guinness really bad. I love Guinness personally. I just don't know how many people at a tailgate are going to be pounding down some Guinness. I mean, maybe this was a soccer match, but uh, I don't see too many Guinness would give you a, a sturdy five man, though. It was, that would be a very sturdy five man. It would absolutely cover the whole spectrum of it would give you people with a dark beer. So, you know, what? Uh, we will, we will go with a Guinness for maybe the, the old grandpa that shows up that really doesn't like his light beer and he likes his dark beer. Guinness is your Marcus smart of your team. He's not going to do anything flashy, but he's going to do the things that other people don't want to do. He's going to be a hard nosed defender. He, uh, Guinness is, Guinness is going to do all the dirty work for your team. And I appreciate it. He's almost like a Dennis Rodman. He is kind of like Dennis Rodman. Yeah, he's not going to make a lot of people happy, but the ones he does make happy will be very, very happy. Exactly. Exactly. I like that. I like that comparison a lot. So, um, no, so let's, we'll recap it here. So for Brett, he has Budweiser, Bush Light, McUltra, Pacifico, and Truly at his, at his tailgate. And I, on the other hand, will have Coors Light, Miller Light, High Noon Seltzers, Yingling, and Guinness. So I think we've got some. Uh, I think we've got some pretty good opposing tailgates here. So we'll have to throw the we'll, we'll throw the poll out, 
We'll throw it out to the fans. We'll see what they think. And uh, when we come back next week, we can uh, we can see who wins and we can just we can keep it going. If whoever wins gets the uh, whoever gets the fan vote for that week, they can get the number one overall pick next week on the next draft day. I love it. It's and it, I'd like to I'd like to mention our uh, our hello hello nit um, beers that, that that didn't make either of our roster our free agents that that I I thought for sure would have been picked and that's that's Bud Light Natty Light and Corona. Yeah, all three. And White Claw, I'm I'm very shocked White Claw wasn't picked. White Claw's a solid player. White Claw's a very solid player. They will uh, they'll make some money in the free agent market with somebody else. Um, they're they're a good option down there. I I think though I think Trilly has really taken over their spot and you know they were first on the scene and Trilly's really really taken them over. I think it it's I really think it's them and High Noon that most and uh, Trilly has the more wild flavors and High Noon's a little bit more of the more standard flavors I would think. Um, so yeah, but, uh, no White Claw, no Rolling Rock, Corona, Keystone, PBR, Natty Light. Thankfully, nobody picked Natty Light. We're not we're not balling on a budget here, so. <laughs> hey, don't don't hit on Natty Light. Natty Light's a solid player too. Natty Light has its has its purpose in life. And Natty Light is is your is your Michael Red of of this beer draft. Natty Light is the Chauncey Billups. Red the bench. He 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 may read the bench sometimes. He he may be in your starting lineup. Natty you- Light is Lou Williams. There you go. Old Lou. Old stinky Lou still in the league. It's very um, well to her this season. I know. Um, no, this was fun. We'll uh, we'll come up with uh, with more more topics going forward. But uh, until then, I appreciate all of you guys out there. We always appreciate our listeners. And then uh, we will be back at you, hopefully, with weekly. We'll have to wait until – we're going to try and get these out on uh, on Tuesdays. It would be great right after the college football rankings come out. Might be some good times to drop our pod immediate reactions uh, to what the committee is saying. But uh, we'll see what the schedules roll out. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we got a lot more content coming for you guys. So with that, I will uh, leave you guys to it and have a great rest of your day. <laughs>